1: Okay, everybody, welcome back to the show. I am very excited as always, because we have another amazing entrepreneur on with us today. Her name is Sarah. She said I could say it La fever. And her business is called Snow Horse Marketing. Sarah, thanks so much for joining us today.
2: Yeah. Thanks for inviting me on the show.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think the name of your business is very fitting. You all couldn't see it, but she was just showing me a bunch of snow she has outside her window in Utah right now.
2: Yeah. We can't even open our doors at this point. So it snowed in for sure.
1: All right. I'm not going to brag about it being 80 degrees and sunny here right now then.
2: Thanks. Thanks for that.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So why don't you tell the audience exactly what it is that you do, how you got started in it, who you help and all that great stuff.
2: Yeah, certainly. I've been in marketing for over a decade and I have worked with so many different agencies over the years. I've been a VP of marketing who was the coordinator between many agencies. I've worked as an agency. I worked in some huge tech companies that were in the digital space where we sold to agencies. And so I've seen the gamut of the challenges that people have experienced with agencies. And I got really frustrated myself with how difficult it was to find an agency who did what they said that they would do, that they just delivered, that they followed through, that the communication was effective and uniform. And then I also had the opportunity to work with the few agencies who had their systems together, who were able to do that. And really my venture in source marketing just came out of demand is people needed the help. I feel like a lot of businesses don't have access to the technology and the expertise that they need the average in-house marketing team costs 500k to a million a year. Most growing businesses they can't drop that, and then hiring the college student usually they waste that in inexperience. And so we really came in and we saw this niche of these growing businesses that just need access to experts who are going to do what they say they do and are open to delegating out that work. And so we work with everyone from with PR, traditional marketing, billboard, and then primarily digital marketing, make sure that they have that professional digital presence and have access to what we call the big boy toys, like making sure they have the databases, they can purchase audiences and things of the like to support their businesses growth.
1: That's amazing. I really love that because I know, as you said, there's such a big need for some of those higher end kind of services for growing businesses that don't really have the budget for it. That's really commendable that you're doing that one. And also it is, like you said, it's a great market niche because there really is a demand there. So how long, how long have you been in business doing that?
2: So I worked with an agency prior to Snow Horse. They went in together. So I've been working, helping to run an agency for about three, four years now. So I'm getting into my stride at this point. It's been actually really fun.
0: Very cool.
1: Can you tell me some of the challenges? I know this is something that a lot of entrepreneurs face going from knowing how to do the work in a business and doing the actual work to moving on to learning how to grow the business itself and working on it.
2: Yeah. So we work with a lot of direct to consumer like e-commerce, but then our other huge vertical we work with is a lot of consultants. And I actually work a lot with consultants on this. Consultants, whether they're, environmental consultants, tax consultants, vet consultant, like all sorts of consultants. They are the experts in their field that act the best of the best. They have PhDs, they have the connections, they've been doing it for 20 years. And a lot of times they're like, you know what, I'm ready to venture out on my own and I want to do this. And their network gave them their first 10 clients a deal. Sure. And they're like, now what? And what we have found is many of them don't understand the system of business. I'm all about creating a system that can produce results. Um, It's our approach to everything. We are a data-based strategic partner with our businesses. And so systems are super, super important. Being able to actually do the business, whether it's you're producing the product and able to ship it, whether it's you're able to consult and help businesses solve XYZ problem, is very different than finding, getting, and retaining a client or customer. That is a very different process. And a lot of times what we do is we come in and we recommend things to help them create systems. If they're a startup business, all right, the biggest thing you need to figure out is how are you getting new clients and how are you going to keep your existing clients or customers? And so that's usually the first problem that they need help solving.
1: Gotcha, makes sense. What do you think is one of the biggest misconceptions that growing businesses or the entrepreneurs in those businesses have about digital marketing specifically?
2: So one challenge we have found when working with startups, and we do have like incubator programs, we've we have really good scaled programs to help people from startup all the way to a mid-sized business. And we found in that first year, the businesses either stay with us for two to five years or they only stay with us for one contract. And the difference is their understanding of marketing and what marketing actually is. And we get to learn a lot about entrepreneurs. Many entrepreneurs really care about brand or appearance or they care about positioning, where they really care about their pricing, or they really care about, they each have their own values. But when those values come in conflict with pushing the, the ball up the hill, pushing the boulder up, there's often a great challenge. One client we worked with, she really cared about branding. And we loved that she cared about branding and she changed her mind about branding about every two months, oh. which made it, made it a little difficult to create consistency with the digital marketing. Because again, marketing is most effective when it's consistent. So it became so inconsistent that it became very difficult for us to optimize for marketing because we were doing a brand new thing every time. And another client I can think of that really struggled with this, she worked with a franchise And the franchise actually changed the rules on them every two months. And so it became very difficult. And so I think it goes back to that, just creating a system, creating a strategy and being able to optimize and leverage it can often be the biggest difference. And also the biggest thing is you want to be able to be sustainable. There are numbers that you need to know. You want to know what your ROAS is, your return on ad spend. You want to know what doable spend you can put in. There've been many businesses that they come in we give them different pricing and they decide to go for a super high pricing. We warn them against it. We're like, okay. It takes up to 90 days to optimize what we're doing here. Can you afford this for the 90 days with no return? Can you handle that level of risk? They confirm that they can two months in. We haven't even been able to optimize it yet and they decide it's not a good fit. So we see that a lot of times with marketing as well. We see people who aren't willing to spend the money and then people who want to spend too much money. So it's not sustainable to create a system. So there's kind of two sides of that point. But I think the biggest thing is being able to have your system, whatever whether you're getting a lead, whether it's a conversion point, whether it's a sale, a checkout, whatever that is, and be able to realize how much can I afford to invest into this? Because many businesses who don't work with us, they've closed their doors within two years. It's a big thing that we're seeing, especially right now with the recession. Last summer, we had quite a few e-commerce businesses we worked with, and we watched their competitors drop like flies. While our clients continue to maintain, they didn't grow but they continued to maintain their revenue for those months. And so that was fantastic to see. And that's the difference. I learned this from my own grandfather. He actually owned real estate brokerage. And my grandfather has eight kids, eight aunts and uncles, and wow. and there was a lot of expenses and they had a farm and an orchard and, you know, it wasn't like they had any type of extensive wealth, but there was a time where they couldn't afford marketing, right? They didn't feel they could afford marketing. So they stopped marketing to pay family bills. And he told me, and my grandmother told, reminded me about it recently, about how that was the worst thing they ever did. And they learned they could never not be investing in marketing because they went from not much business to no business. And that's also what we're seeing right now, especially with the economic changes that are happening, the changes in demand and supply chain. The worst thing you can do is stop spending on creating demand and creating interest in whatever service or product you're providing.
1: Yeah, with as much noise as there is in the marketplace and as many companies as there are, I read something that it's it's like Tens of thousands of new businesses start in this country every day. And so if you're not staying visible in front of the eyes of the people who might purchase your product, you're going to get lost.
2: Yeah, and that really leans into knowing your ICP, your ideal customer profile. I'm always amazed at how many clients think a certain person is their perfect client or their perfect customer. And we go, we dive into the data. And three months later, we have a meeting with them. We're like, so this is actually who's buying your products. We had one what? client once who thought it was like 30 year old cat ladies. And it ended up being like 60 year old, 60 <laughs> year old knitting ladies who were like the best market. It was actually really interesting, that one. But yeah, it's always interesting to know who your ICP is.
1: Yeah. Why do you think it is that so many entrepreneurs get that one wrong?
2: That's a really good question. I think a lot of it's projection of self. I think a lot of it is I would buy this because I like it this way. Or people who go into a market because like they think it'd be an easy market to get into, right? And they just don't know who their market is. A lot of it too is after they've done sales, if they've done two years of sales or a year of sales, they're not analyzing their own data. They're just not, they either don't have access to the resources, they don't know how to read the data, or they don't have the experts to help them dissect what the data means. I love working with people who have Shopify accounts because Shopify gives us so much data. And a lot of times we do just a consult with them and we tell them to go to the analytics tab and pull up the analytics. And then we explain to them what each section means. And you just see their eyes open and jaw drop because they didn't understand what the analytics they already had meant. And so that's always fun to do, to help open their eyes about hey, this is what's really going on in your business.
1: Yeah, I know we talked a little bit before the interview about some of the ways that you do help other entrepreneurs. Would you touch on that a little bit?
2: Yeah, certainly. So we have found a lot of times working with nonprofits, many people don't know how, and we actually love working with nonprofits. Nonprofit is just a different type of industry. It just means you're not going to make a profit every year. So the way the market, they market is a little bit different and that can be really fun to do and really challenging but i really enjoy it another thing that we love to do is support women owned businesses so many women owned businesses make the mistake of enough is enough there's a lot of women who own their own e-commerce store and they're they're just delivering out of their own home and they're like this is my solo pioneer capacity right this is the limit i can get to and it's a livable amount for them but what we like to do is come in and say like how can you increase that how can you get that to be more? A study was done. I forget the exact numbers, but it was businesses who survived after five years, which only 50% survived after five years. They asked how many of that 50% the business could run without them in it day to day. Only about half could run without the owner operator in it daily. And then they asked the question how many of that 50% could grow without them in the business daily? And I think it was like two or 5%. Very few could actually grow without them actively working in the business. And I think that is so important. If you want financial freedom in your life, if you want to be able to own multiple businesses, if you want the seven streams of income, you know, that goal that most people have, you've got to learn to have things be able to run by themselves. But then beyond that, they've got to be able to grow without you putting effort in. And if you build up your systems correctly, it's super doable. It really is.
1: Yeah, that's really the difference between people who give themselves a job when they start a business and people who use a business to build wealth and get free is that if you don't have the systems, then you're the one who has to do all the things because you don't have a way to effectively communicate to other people how to do them properly. And then you can't ever focus on growing the business because you're always doing all the things.
2: I'm sure you've seen the reels of, the song about I quit my job because I wanted freedom and now I don't work a nine to five. I work 24 seven. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it's real. Like it's so real. I have found as I've been building out different departments in snow Horse marketing, I've always been astounded of how difficult it can be to find the right talent and to divide up the roles the right way. And it's taken quite a bit of experimentation. And one thing that I have learned is Usually it takes about 10 people to do what I could do in that role. And then I have to make do the math on how can I make that affordable for the business? How can I make that sustainable? And some of that's adjusting our pricing to reflect the actual cost of what it is to run the business. Some of it has been adjusting expectations. Some of it has been creating better systems. Some of it has been implementing AI to fulfill some obligations or some, some systems within the business. But yeah, it's something to work through creating that system. Sometimes it's delegating. Like for Snow Horse Marketing, we actually delegate a lot of our own PR to other agencies. And we found if I want people to invest in their businesses in marketing, we've got to invest in our business with marketing as well. And I feel like it's really important to remember that if you're asking someone to do things with you, if someone's willing to pay you to consult with them, you should probably be paying someone to consult with you. It's one of those, I don't know, I'd say more like an energy thing, (laughs) like what you give out is what you give back, karma, whatever you want to call it. It makes a huge effect.
1: Agreed. Absolutely. It goes back to your mindset because what you put out is what you're going to get back, like you said. Now, you mentioned the process of basically building a way for you to get out of your business so that it can... Operate and grow without you. Where would you say you are in that process with Snowhorse Marketing?
2: We're on pace within the next 12 to 24 months that all the owners will not need to be actively day to day in the business and it will be able to grow on its own. So, so we already are on pace, which is really exciting.
1: That is very exciting. It's a great place to be and amazing to hear. Congrats on that. Thank you. Yeah, of course. So what would you say the biggest financial roadblock in your business right now is?
2: I want to say we have a financial roadblock. I've set things up very well. We work with a fully remote team and everything is paid based upon deliverables. That's how we've set it up. Our next goal that we're working to is certain positions in the business can't be replaced. The owners can't be replaced until we can do W-2 salary positions just because of the nature of the type of work it is so our next goal that we're working towards there's certain revenue goals that we're working to meet and that once we meet them we'll make those adjustments and be able to to have those w-2 positions filled. so that's something that we are actively working towards
1: very cool what's your biggest personal financial goal right now
2: my personal financial goal right now is to have enough residual income that i'm not needing to draw income from my businesses And I do that through real estate. Real estate's one avenue I'm working with. And then another avenue I work with is also investments. I'm learning a lot about investments. I have a fantastic broker who has really connected me with a lot of knowledge that I appreciate. But yeah, that's my goal right now because the businesses, Snow's Marketing isn't the only business I own and run and work with. But I feel like it's really important to be able to stand on my own two feet um, and allow the businesses to invest in themselves to grow to a certain level until I need to draw revenue from them. Yeah,
1: that's one of the biggest challenges I think so many entrepreneurs face is that it's tough to know how much money to put back into the business, how much to pay yourself, how much to invest for your own future. Where do you find that balance or what has worked for you in in working towards the balance?
2: That's a really good question. It's something that's changed over time and changed based on what I'm doing and who I'm working with. But one thing I've always found is pay yourself first. You got to pay yourself first. That is just, I don't know what it is. It's a divine law of the universe, right? You just got to pay yourself first. The next thing I've learned is hold contractors and employees accountable to their work. We set up contracts so that people are required to do their work to get paid. I've had to learn to be a lot more assertive. And when we do our check-ins and when we do reporting, when we do our payouts to our contractors and employees to make sure that they have done what they've done, what they said they will. And that's really helped. It helps them to perform better. And it makes sure the business doesn't have someone just sapping it dry. I remember there was a client, a contractor we worked with once. And I made the mistake of working with someone I loved and was a friend. And this individual decided to just stop working, basically. And our operations lady met with her several times. I met with her several times. And we put her on a correction plan, like we did everything we could. And she just decided not to do her responsibilities. We had to let her go. Like I remember that was one of the hardest moments in my entrepreneur path. Like it really was. But I had people around me who were also acknowledging that this is what's happening. It's not in my head. We also were tracking stuff to ensure this is something that is going on. We have set the expectations. We have communicated it to her. Um, So there are several steps we went through to ensure that it was the right step moving forward. And it was, and what I learned from that experience is it was the best thing for her as well. But she was, she wasn't happy with what she was doing. If someone isn't doing their work, it means they're not being fulfilled by their work. I've also learned the grace of that, that it means it's not a good fit for them either.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think just in that one little story you just told us, there's so much to be learned from that. The challenges right. in letting people go, the mistake that it can be working with somebody who is a family or a friend, just so much in that. So awesome. What is financial freedom look like to you, Sarah? Let's say that you have gotten to the place where you have been able to totally remove yourself from your business and you have residual income you don't ever have to work another day in your life if you don't want to what are you going to do with your time
2: oh i know that one i actually (laughs) really love to write and i do i'm in plays i'm actually my son and i are in alice in wonderland community theater right now that's what i would do i would create i do art i would write i would love to have a screenplay produced i would that would a pinnacle of my life if that could happen. So yeah, there's a lot I want to do with my life. It's more on the creative side. It's storytelling. Marketing is storytelling. That's why I'm in marketing because I love storytelling. And I feel like there's important stories to share to the world that can make a positive impact that I would love to be the one to present it to the world.
1: I love it. And I totally feel on that because when I don't have to show up to work anymore, I'm going to spend a lot more time writing too. So that's definitely a big passion of mine as well. All right. Now, do you personally, because I know that everybody, or most people anyway, keep records of their financials for their business, but do you have a written financial plan that you use to work towards financial freedom, or what is that process like for you?
2: Oh, always. Yeah, I have coaches I work with, I have financial experts I work with, I have financial advisors, I have tax people, I have lawyers, I have a whole team of people (laughs) that are working with me to make sure that we're making the right steps. One thing I do when I'm trying to decide who to work with, so there's a wonderful thing that the Navy SEALs does, how they decide putting a team together, and it's this chart. And they choose someone who's trustworthy over someone who's highly skilled. And that's how I choose, especially when I'm looking for who to advise with finances, is who is trustworthy over maybe someone who's the best in the business. And I found that to be served me very well. I think that's been a wise thing to do. Also, as I look at different ways of investing, I'm sure we've all got the LinkedIn messages about you should buy a franchise, right? (laughs) Whatever it may be. I take those meetings. I take them because they may introduce me to someone that I should know, right? Whether or not it's a financial thing I'm going to be doing. Maybe they teach me something about finances and investing and that I don't know. I know that there's a list I have of different agencies that they actually manage the wealth of celebrities. And they manage the wealth of high profile individuals. And I have this list put together. And one of my goals is to actually sit down in the office of each one of those businesses to figure out if there's a way to learn from them. And I'd love to work with them one day when I'm to that place.
1: Yeah, I've got somebody on my list who for five grand, I can come hang him out with him for a couple hours in the office one day. So I feel you there. Besides real estate, which you said you're investing and in, what are some other investments that you put your money into?
2: I'm pretty conservative when it comes to investments. I really am. I'm a big fan of the idea of investing in boring businesses. It's something I actually have a goal of doing within this next year, doing more of. I think that's a really good idea. And it also grows the learning how to delegate and build teams to manage and grow things without me being there. So that's something I'm really leaning into right now. I also feel like even with our business, Snowhorse Horse Market, there's a lot of agencies like mom and pop shop, one man team agencies that they're reaching retirement age. And they have this book of business of 25 to 100 clients that they've worked with for decades. And we found that it can be very beneficial to meet with them and give their clients access to our modern tools and better ways of doing marketing, more effective ways of doing marketing, but also giving them a chance at residual income without the risk of selling their businesses. So that's something we're also looking at doing. If that continues to grow, we may actually make that a separate business. Um, Just because we found there's a lot of small agency owners that they really care about their clients. And they want to make sure their clients are going to be taken care of. And they're just ready to retire. And so that's another thing. I also invest in A-list stocks. And then I also have some crypto as well.
1: Sure. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Just waiting for the turnaround on that.
2: Yeah, I but I am, I'm pretty conservative. What I invest in, I care about cash flow. is what I really care about.
1: Understood. Yeah. And I love how you said that you'll actually jump on those calls with people just to find out what they know. I'm very much the same way because you never know what you'll learn. I have people who will schedule a call with me, cancel it. And I'm more bummed out for them because it's like one thing that I could have told you might've saved you a hundred thousand dollars on your investment portfolio. And all you had to do is take the 20 minutes to talk, but.
2: Oh yeah. Not with you on that. No. And we actually work with, we work with a lot of financial people too. Another thing that I found to be an advantage is networking in the financial world. People in the financial world are very connected. Sometimes I have those calls and those people work with businesses. They help them with the insurance for the business or the 401ks for the employees or whatever it may be. And a lot of times we're even able to make a lot of business introductions as well. So there's so many things. It's always worth connecting with people. On my LinkedIn profile it says I try to connect with five people a week. And I really do because it makes a big impact. That's a big way to to benefit any business you're in is go connect with people.
1: Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, businesses are still about relationships because people want to buy from people they know and trust.
2: 100%, yep.
1: Yeah, so now speaking of connecting, if somebody wants to connect with you, what's the best place to reach out to? you?
2: They're welcome to go to Snowhorse Marketing and go to the Work With Us tab. And we set up meetings to do consulting. If you want to meet with me directly, you're welcome to email me directly at sarah at Snow Horse marketing.org um, and that will go directly to me, but either way is fine. We have an awesome team of advisors and you're always welcome to reach out to me directly.
1: Very cool. Sarah, it's been such a pleasure having you on the podcast today. You had a lot of information to share and I know you delivered a lot of value for the audience. So thank you so much for that.
2: Thank you for the opportunity.
1: Yeah, of course. Now, if you're listening out there and you've enjoyed this podcast and you haven't subscribed yet, please go ahead and do that. You can also leave us one of those stellar five-star reviews. And if you are also an online entrepreneur and want to come on, just like our amazing guest, Sarah, today to share your valuable insights with me and our audience. we would love to have you on as well. You can go to
0: tyfpodcast.com. That's the letters P-Y-F podcast.com
1: to apply. Right, thank you so much. We'll see you next time. Sarah, thanks again.
2: Thanks.
0: If you've listened this far, chances are you're an entrepreneur looking to become more financially literate and create financial freedom for yourself from your business. The Pay Yourself First podcast is definitely here to help with that. My goal is to continue to share what I've learned about using your business as the tool to create financial freedom. But let's face it, it would take me years to share with you everything you need to know via these episodes. Creating financial freedom is something that most people never even consider, let alone make a plan for or take action towards. It's something almost no one was taught anything about. Doing it as an entrepreneur is even more challenging, especially without support. So if you're ready to get clear On what financial freedom looks like for you come up with an action plan and get the support systems and accountability you need i invite you to consider the abundantly infinite entrepreneur i created the program to help entrepreneurs just like you get a handle on their personal and business finances, and start building confidently towards financial freedom and it's how you can discover ways to take 10 years off your retirement add an extra five or six figures to your portfolio and finally get clear on what numbers you should be tracking in your business and why. Together, we'll gain clarity around your financial goals and what being financially free would actually look like for you. Then we'll put together a customized game plan to get you there and the accountability to see you through. And by the way, you're also going to get all the spreadsheets you need to run your numbers, lifetime access to the materials, including any updates, and entry into our members-only community.